Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Alison? I'm doing okay. We are on what you call the 11th hour. If you're listening to this just after midnight, it's not that much time before that. <laughs> yeah, we usually record a couple of days ahead of time, giving me time to edit. But tonight, we're recording right before the deadline. On tonight's show, I will be talking with Lobi, who has a bunch of really, really interesting encounters, including Flannel Man, which she didn't know was a thing before she started listening to Strange Familiars. And disembodied legs, which she didn't know was a thing other people saw until she started listening to Strange Familiars. I don't know which one would surprise me more. She's got various nighttime visitors, really creepy stuff, a really, really interesting skinwalker story. So much to get into. Really interesting stories from Lobi. But before we talk with her, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you very much, patrons. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. Thank you for your help. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to make Strange Familiars, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's all different tiers of support there. You can check them out. But no matter what tier you choose, our patrons get two full extra episodes of Strange Familiars every month. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All right, let's go ahead and talk with Lobi. Lobi. 
I'd like to welcome Lobi to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. And I have to confess, I lost your original contact. I don't remember if it was an email or you sent me a message or what. It was a message over Facebook. Okay. So I have very brief notes that say flannel man, skinwalker, etc. Beyond that, yes. I lost the original message. So <laughs> I know we're talking about those things, but uh, the framework of it, I've lost. So I'm sorry about that. When did these events happen? Did this is this stuff that happened all your life, or is this something? These are things recently? that have happened since I was a child. Okay, you know as best as you can remember, we can start chronologically, and yeah. as comfortable as you, you are giving you know locations. Some people don't want to get specific, and I understand that. If you just give a general location and dates, you know roughly when this happened. Uh, well, I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm kind of around the like TCU area, so when I live in a older neighborhood, Fort Worth, Texas, which is, I guess, north central Texas. Okay. Because, you know, Texas is huge, so. Yeah. I have friends who tell me about their vacation trips. It takes them longer to get out of Texas than it takes me to get to New England. Yeah. So my first experience that I can remember, I was actually a baby, and I remember it being in my crib and just waking up in the middle of the night Looking around the room, I could see my parents sleeping in the bed because I was in their room. And they had two doorways in their room. And there was, I don't even know, like a being in each doorway. One was tall in one doorway, and the other doorway, the other one was short. That's very interesting. And they never came in the room. They would kind of like sway back and forth. And I've never, like, had any, I don't know, I don't know if they even noticed me, like, being able to see them or anything, but I just remember them being in the doorways, and it happened several times, but it, I had to have been probably two or younger, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, still in the crib. That's the earliest memory. I think that's probably one of my <laughs> my first ever memories. And you remember this distinctly as kind of like not a dream like it's not a dream i remember waking up in my crib and sitting up and i I even remember having my my grandmother always crocheted blankets Mm -hmm. and my parents would use that as my blanket at night and my toes would always get stuck oh i yes yeah my mom crocheted (laughs) blankets i remember doing the same thing yeah and that that would wake me up because my toes would get caught and it was just that's how I would wake up at night and sit up and then just seeing these two things in the doorways. And it they didn't scare me. I remember thinking, like, I don't know what that is. I didn't cry, nothing. I just laid back down and must have fell asleep because I don't have any other memory after, like, anything else. They, they I know when I saw them, they never came in the room. But how- they would just they would stand there and sway. If you had Back to guess, if you had to guess about how many times did you see? Uh, from memory, I would probably remember three or four times. And did they have a normalish human silhouette? Yeah, but they looked like they had robes on. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't. The face was was white, but I don't really remember features on the face. Like I don't remember eyes, but I I know the where the face was. It was white. Yeah, they just had like 
black robes. They weren't see-through. They were solid. And did you tell anybody about it at the time? No. Not that I recall. I didn't say anything until I was probably a teenager. And I actually told my second oldest sister about it. I don't think I ever said anything to anybody about it. Or not that I remember at all. Not until I was a little older. Mm-hmm. That happened, like I said, three or four times. And my mother always had things happen, like her whole life too. So I, I grew up hearing her experiences. And I remember the first time I ever had sleep paralysis. And I was probably about five years old. Wow, that's young for sleep paralysis. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, I remember uh, we in the bedroom I had... There was two windows, but they were like really just kind of like short windows and they were higher off the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you kind of know what I mean. They were just, it was like a 1960s style house. Right, yeah. So the windows were smaller and higher up. And there was, I had two windows in my room and moonlight would always come in. And my mom just had like sheer curtains over the windows. She didn't have blinds or anything. I remember waking up and I could not move, but I could move my eyes and I could see around the room. And I was so confused that I couldn't move. I thought, because you know, sometimes like if your arm falls asleep and it just feels like dead weight and you can't move it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but yeah, absolutely. I have a mess. So yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I, I kind of was like, well, maybe maybe my arms fell asleep and I can't move them. But then I couldn't move my whole body. Wow. And once I realized I couldn't move anything, then I started to panic because yeah. I didn't know what was going on. And I had never heard of sleep paralysis. You know, I was five. Finally, like, I guess I just fell asleep. Like, I don't remember snapping out of it. Or anything. I don't, I don't remember seeing anything during my sleep paralysis. But I remember waking up the next morning and I told my mom about it. And I told her, I was like, everything, like what happened? And she just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what that was. I kept asking because I wanted to know what it was. And she was like, I don't know what that was. And just kind of left it at that. Never really talked about it, that particular episode, again, until now, really. <laughs> so Sleep paralysis, um, when, when I was in college, I got it. And it was terrifying at that age. You know, I was 19, 20, whatever. Yeah. I can't imagine being that young because I didn't know what was going on. You know, when it first happened to me, I'm just like freaking out. You know, I can't imagine being five and trying to figure that out. Yeah, and then not getting any answers the next day sure of what yeah. it could be and wow. i just was like well what was it what is it what is this and do you remember around what year this was well if i was let's see probably 1983 yeah see i'm thinking there, there probably wasn't a ton of information on sleep paralysis in general at that point yeah it happened more regularly as i became a teenager it happened all the way up until I was about mm, 35, I would say. And then it, it tapered off. And I, the last episode I had was probably like four years ago. 
you know, that's more typical of what I read. Like it kind of starts tapering off in your thirties. Mm-hmm. I had one instance of it, I think in my forties, but it was like a singular episode, you know, by my thirties, you know, it wasn't happening with any regularity. Yeah. The last one I had, I was about 40. So I'm 44 right now. And this one was really weird because as I got older, I would start seeing shadow people with my sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. And the last one I had, it was a lady and she had like a, like a Victorian silhouette. I could see like the dress she had on, like the outline. And she had a hat. Like if you were to look up, you know, like an old like Victorian photo of a woman with a hat on and everything. It's just a black shadow and it was solid. And I remember just waking up and I was, I always sleep on my right side. And I remember just opening up my eyes and I could only move my eyes. And she was right next to my bed where my head is. Mm. And she was standing right there. And I was like, oh no, because I already knew what was going on. Yeah. And I was able to like look up at her with just moving my eyes. I couldn't move my head. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't looking at me when I looked up. And then she moved her head down in like one quick motion because I saw her hat move with her head from a looking straight to looking down at me. And that knocked me out of the sleep paralysis. I woke up so quick oh, wow. that that just snapped me out of it. And she was gone. No trace of her. Nothing. She was completely gone, and it scared me so bad because at that point I hadn't had an episode in probably two years, mm-hmm. and I thought I was done with it with having right, yeah, sleep. And then that one was just—I've never had one though that I where I could see so much detail. Like this one was definitely a woman wearing a Victorian style dress and a hat. Mm-hmm. All the other figures I've ever seen, they're just, I, I mean, they always kind of felt like they were male. It was just a human body shape. It was no, like I couldn't see like a hat or anything. And it was just like really quick. Like they would kind of duck around the corner. This one, she actually stood there and looked at me. What is your impression of these sleep paralysis entities? Do you feel like they're some kind of you know, objective reality to them, or are they just conjured up by our mind in a like hypnagogic state or whatever? I'm not really sure, like what's the thing. I just know that, but I I kind of feel like they're evil. Mm. But I just kind of get that feeling from them. I've never seen one, and you know, had a good feeling. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. just been like these things scare me. I don't get a good like vibe from them. To me, they feel really negative, the ones I've seen. The only thing I can say as regards to that is, you know, just doing this and interviewing people and the number of witnesses to other paranormal events, non-sleep paralysis events, that also have sleep paralysis makes me wonder if there isn't some kind of connection there. Maybe it's a both-end kind of thing. Maybe sometimes they are conjured by our minds and some, you know, just illusions for the lack of a better word. And sometimes there's something else, but... 
I feel like most people really feel like there's something else. There's something yeah. outside of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel these are conjured from my mind at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not the ones I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about other people, but for me, no, these are <laughs> something something else. Yeah. And, that, and, and that, I mean, that's the feeling I got as well. I didn't have shadow people. I had the, the gray things, but that's mm-hmm. absolutely the feeling I got. I, I don't, I felt they were completely separate from me. Yeah, because I've always heard people say, oh, maybe it was just my mind playing tricks on me. I've never once ever felt that my mind was like, whatever I've seen is really there. Like, I don't think my mind is playing a trick on me. I've never, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think I would do that to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think so. most people feel the same way. I think a lot of people talk themselves into because, you know, because this is a, you know, so-called medical condition. I go, well, mm-hmm. it must have been nothing. It was just, you know. But yeah, I, I feel I, like there's a lot of people who have that. That feels like, no, I was awake and this was there. When the internet started, you know, being available and everything, I started searching it up and I kept reading, you know, it's some medical condition, something with your brain and right. all this other stuff. And I was like, no, this is not what that is. This is, I think these are some type of, entities showing up you know yeah i i think you know again this is you know i what do i know but i feel like there's a connection somehow with what we call the other and Mm -hmm. sleep and sometimes uh if they can't get to you in waking life they're going to get to you in your dreams or in these sleep paralysis situations Mm -hmm. yeah now those first two things that i saw when i was a baby I don't feel like those were shadow people. Not sure what that was. I saw something similar. It, it was kind of similar. It wasn't exactly the same as an adult. And I don't know if you want me to tell that sure. one. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. This one happened when I was about, I would say, 32. 32 or 33. And at the time, I was with my ex and, you know, typical night, we we're both asleep. And we always had a, like a nightlight that was on our dresser. Because I, since I was a child, I could never sleep in complete darkness. Hmm. I can't. <laughs> With all the stuff that I've, that's happened in my house when I was little, I cannot sleep in the dark. My wife is the and, same way. She's the yeah. lights on. Yeah. Yeah. I have, so I always have some type of nightlight on. And I cannot have any door open. I have to have my bedroom doors closed. Closet door, bathroom door, (laughs) Mm -hmm. all the doors have to be closed. And I think that also came from being a baby because my parents would sleep with their doors open. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I would see those things. But I cannot sleep with the door open. So we had this nightlight on. And it lit up the room fairly well. It wasn't like super bright or anything, but I, I could see around the room. I just woke up one night and it was a little bit of sleep paralysis, but I could move my head. I couldn't move my arms, couldn't move my legs, but I could move my head. And I turned my head over. I was actually sleeping on my back at the time because I was pregnant and my head was propped up a little bit. And I woke up and I remember turning my head and looking to the left of the bed. And there was this seven foot tall, and I only know it was seven foot tall because 
it reached the top of my mirror on my dresser. And when I measured that, it was seven feet. And it was this tall, cloaked figure. And it had a hood. It had long sleeves. There was no face in the hood. And the sleeves, there were no hands coming out of the opening of where the sleeves were. But I remember looking at, because he was standing, but his arms were kind of held out towards me. But if I had to guess, his palms wouldn't be up. They would be down. Even though, you know, there's no hands there, but that's just kind of how his arms looked like they were positioned. Mm -hmm. And I remember I could see the sleeve, and around the, the edge of the sleeve, there was embroidery. And I remember that detail. And I, I remember in that moment, too, I was like, why is there embroidery on his sleeve? And I just looked up, and he was standing there with his arms out. And I don't know, like, in certain movies, like horror movies, there will be an entity that, or some monster or something, that they do, like, a quick quick movement where they're like standing and then all of a sudden they're kind of crouched mm -hmm. and it's just like you blink and they're they're just in a different position like yeah, I didn't even yeah. it wasn't like a it was one swift almost like a strobe light is on or yes something. yeah and it, yeah. he was standing and then in an instant he was crouched down I can't move my body my head is the only thing I can move and I'm just staring at it and I can feel my heart just beating so fast in my chest and so hard. I can't yell. I'm trying to make noise. I can't yell. And once he's in that crouching position, he slowly starts to move towards me. Oh. And it, he was pretty close already. Like, from the head of the bed to the foot of the bed, he was probably right in the middle. And there wasn't a lot of room in between the bed and the dresser. So he was in between that space. And he was just moving at me so slow. And his arms are still out in that position that he was in. And as soon as he got to the point where he, it seemed like he was going to touch me, I was able to snap out of it and I was able to move. And he was gone. Just completely gone and it was solid like if I was able to reach out and touch him I would be able to feel like the material of his robe mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean it was like somebody was really there what color was the robe if you might all black and the embroidery then. the embroidery was like a not gold but like a coppery color and did it make a design just like um I can see the design in my head. I don't know. Like if you had two lines that intertwined. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how like, like waves, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. weaving in and out of each other it was like two of them kind of. I really don't know how to explain the design, mm -hmm. but it was like that. But I only saw the, the one sleeve. I didn't see it on the other sleeve. It could have been there, but maybe it was darker. I don't know. But right, I remember it right. being on one sleeve. That's a fascinating detail, though. No, I, I know. And it, like I said, in that moment when I was 
even though I was scared to death, I was like, huh, embroidery yeah. <laughs> on the sleeve. That's weird. I was so tired that I tried to keep myself awake because I was scared. And I, I didn't wake up my ex. He didn't even move. Nothing. He was out. And I kind of sat up in bed a little bit. And I just kept looking around the room, just kind of listening. And I was so tired. I ended up just falling asleep because I could not stay awake. Yeah. I wanted to stay awake. I couldn't. And I just I went back to sleep. And I, that is a drumbeat we hear over and over again. And one of one of the ones that just I don't know it disturbs me, and it confuses me at the same time because it's happened to me, and. So many people have said, you know, I was in this really intensely scary situation, and I just went right back to sleep. Yeah. That should not be. Yeah, no, and but the thing is, like, I tried I tried to stay awake, and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't. I was so scared, and I just, I fell asleep. Never saw it again. Yeah, I mean, I've seen shadow figures that look very similar to that, but they were very quick, like, going around the corner. Mm -hmm. Did you see the face, or was the hood just obscuring it? There was no face that I could see. It was like it was just blackness. Mm. Just blackness. And like I said, where the hands would be coming out of the sleeve, there were, there were no hands. Right, yeah. It's yeah. just this black hooded figure. Wow. It was solid. Yeah, we've had hooded entities before, but uh, I don't know if I think people saw them. Well, no, I think we did have a couple of in bedroom, the sort of bedroom invaders or whatever you want to call them, nighttime invaders. Mm -hmm. I think we had a couple there. And I remember telling my ex the next day what I saw, and he has never really seen anything ever. So he just, you know, was like, oh, I mean, he, he would believe me, but he doesn't know what that feels like to right. see something like that. And... Now, I told him the next day, and he was just like, like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear you move. I didn't hear. I was like, no. I was like, you were dead asleep. <laughs> hmm. So, Which also is an unusual. There's sometimes people try vigorously to wake up their partner, and they just can't for whatever reason. Yeah. No, yeah, I didn't even try to wake him up because I just didn't. I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't try and wake him up. And that house which is actually the house I'm sitting in right now, doing this interview is also where I had my flannel man experience. And I did not know this again happened when I was like 32, 33 years old. Never heard of anything else like that until I started listening to you. Mm -hmm. I found your channel and I went from the beginning and listened to all the episodes and I don't even remember which episode it was, but you talked about Flannel Man, and it just instantly brought what happened to me, just popped up in my mind. It was like, oh my gosh, this guy was wearing flannel. It happened, again, same room. I wake up in the middle of the night, night lights on, and I just wake up for no reason. But this one was at the foot of my bed. Mm -hmm. And... There's no sleep paralysis this time. I can move. It, he was solid. And I remember kind of like scooting up like 
against the headboard and kind of sitting up a little bit, like backing up, like, oh my God, like there's a man in my room. Right. And I, but I didn't scream. And I didn't, again, my, my ex is laying right next to me. He's asleep. Didn't try and wake him up. I was just kind of stunned and staring at this man at the foot of my bed, but he's not facing me. He's facing to the right of the room. So I see him profile. Mm-hmm. And he's standing there and his shoulders are kind of slumped a little bit. And he's wearing green and blue flannel. And he's standing there and he actually looks like a native guy. I'm Navajo. And he had like shoulder length hair, maybe a little bit longer. And I could see like he was darker skin color. His shoulders were kind of slumped a little bit. And he's just standing there. And then again with the weird movement, he sways back and forth, but like a really quick jerky sway. I don't know. Like I can picture it in my head, but I don't know if I'm describing it good enough. Mm-hmm. And that makes me jump back even more. And as soon as I jump back more, he disappears. Wow. He doesn't didn't look at me. Nothing. Like he didn't acknowledge me in any way. Mm-hmm. I really remember the blue and green flannel shirt he had on. Now I don't know if that counts. <laughs> as, yeah, the, yeah, I think it's the a, pattern more than the color. A, yeah, and a native flannel man, you know. <laughs> well, they didn't. Well, I don't know if I'll have to go back. I've had so many at this point, I, but we've had. I know we've had all different hair colors. We've had blonde, redhead, you know, yeah, et cetera. But yeah, I don't know if we've had native or <laughs> flannel men of color of any, you know, any sort yet. But yeah, I our, will happily our, add it to the canon. Yeah, no, I really got the feeling like this is a native man. Just could tell by features because I could see his profile. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, and, that's so and, interesting. Yeah, skin color, I saw, hair color, everything. And he had blue jeans on. I could only see from like mid-thigh up, though. I couldn't see lower than that because mm-hmm. the footboard was in the way. About how yeah. long do you think you saw him for? Really, I mean, it felt like a long time, but it was probably, probably like thirty seconds. I mean, that's long enough. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really long, but it was long enough for me to just stare at him. In between, it was mainly blue and green, but there was a I could see a little bit, like little lines of yellow. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't know why I didn't scream. Mm-hmm. I didn't try to wake my ex up. I was just kind of like. What's going on? Like, what is this? Because I, I really, I thought it was a person. Did you get it? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At, at, was it at the point he disappeared that you got the sense that like, oh, this isn't just someone, you know, had broken into my house or something? Yeah, because he was just gone. Wow. He didn't fade. He didn't run out of the room or anything. He was just gone. Yeah, by far most. And even my wife, when she saw hers, said it was more scary because he just shouldn't have been there that yeah. rather than, you know, getting a particularly intimidating feeling from him. Yeah. No, I, I didn't get any like intimidating feeling from him. I was just like, why, why is there a man in my room? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, she screamed, but it was only because she, she said he actually looked like 
kind of uh, caught, like surprised that she could see him or something. So she mm-hmm. she didn't say he he didn't seem like he was trying to be intimidating, but uh, he yeah. just shouldn't have been there. So you know that's, that's she woke me up screaming for that yeah. reason, you know, but not because you got a particularly threatening vibe from him or anything. Yeah, and this one just like I said, he did the that weird jerky like the quick jerky movement, and I don't know. I don't know what that was. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, but it, that, that's what really made me jump back more. Yeah. When you moved or when you, you know, jump back a little bit more, did you think he noticed you and then disappeared or was he completely oblivious to you? You think? No, he was oblivious. Like he, his head never turned my way. He never looked at me and he just disappeared. Wow. And just saw him the one time. Just saw him one time and that was it. Huh. And I also remember telling my ex the next day, and that was another one, too, where I tried to stay awake and couldn't stay awake. Mm. Just went back to sleep. And I was just as scared as the, the other with the other thing. And I could not. I just, <laughs> I just went to sleep. You know, I was like, well, I mean, I guess I could have gotten up, you know, left the room or something. I don't know. I just went back to sleep. I hear it again and again. You know, people just go right back to sleep. I don't know why. Yeah. It shouldn't be. It's almost a creepier feature. It's almost like Josh said on a recent show, like, yeah, we can get to you while you're awake, but it's easier if you're asleep. Yeah. 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 Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another one at night that happened in the same bedroom around the same time frame. My ex was asleep and I woke up for no reason again. And I look over at him and I see hands. He's laying on his back and they look like female hands. 
and they're all white, just hands, just to the wrist, nothing further than that. And they were like frantic hands above his stomach area. Like if, you know, like if somebody were to be typing really, really fast, but almost in like a, like a fake way, Mm -hmm. how the fingers are going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what the hands were doing on his stomach area. I jumped and I actually, that time I shook him awake because it just scared me so bad. I just woke up, looked over and saw these white hands on his stomach and he woke up and he was like, what's, what, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. I'm like, I just, I saw something. He wasn't fully awake. He was like, were you okay though? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But I didn't have any sleep paralysis or anything. So when you woke him up, the hands gone just as The hands were gone. Yeah. Yeah, they disappeared. And I don't know what that was. I've never seen anything like that. Well, I have to ask, did he have any, did he have any stomach problems any time around that time? Uh, Yeah, actually, Crohn's. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That, that's very interesting. And he ended up having actually a surgery like a like he was in the hospital for like a month they had to like take part of you know his intestine out and everything and it was like not long after that weird yeah just these white just little white hands i mean they were like adult hands but they were just really small like just a really petite person you know right i just call them frantic hands their frantic hands were on his stomach wow but didn't hear anything didn't see anything else but the hands and that was it mm and just all white, like pure white hands. Yeah, the Crohn's disease. That's. I was kind of like, okay, there's probably not going to be anything wrong. <laughs> You're going to say no, no, nothing like that. But oh, that's. Yeah. No, yeah. No thanks. Yeah. I mean, did you connect the two things at the time? No, but I did. You know, years later, mm-hmm. when I would think back on certain things, and I was like, oh, well, maybe. Maybe kind of that's what that was, but I don't know if it was like a warning or yeah, just, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Right. But no, I, I thought about it later how they could have been connected somehow. Yeah, it doesn't just have not, to be cause and effect necessarily. It could just be yeah. something recognizing that. Yeah. Still, but um, very strange. At the time you saw the hands, you didn't know that he was having this Crohn's yet. Uh, well, he had had certain symptoms with it mm-hmm. but it wasn't wasn't yet quite like diagnosed okay he had been having issues mm-hmm. disembodied legs oh yeah I've seen those again listening to your show I, you know I heard you mention it and I was like what <laughs> yeah that's one that's like come up kind of recently as far as the show goes like you know past couple of years I think and it blows me away every time I couldn't believe you know, multiple people have seen this. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I've never known anyone else personally that has seen that. I think I was about 13 when this happened. And I was still living in my childhood home. And I had so many things happen in that house. And at the time, I shared a room with my mother. And I had a little twin bed. And then she had a queen-size bed. And she had the lamp by her bed, and I was actually drawing. And I was 
kind of like I was kneeled down next to the bed and I was drawing like on the bed. You know, like I was just I was kneeled down but I was had my paper and everything on the bed mm-hmm. drawing. The house was always scary to me. So I never hung out really in the house by myself. Like I always if somebody was home, I would be in the room with them. Mm-hmm. And she was actually taking a shower. And the bed that it was at, this was nighttime. And the door to the bedroom was open, but the rest of the house was dark. Nobody else was home. And from her bedroom, you could see like to the kitchen and the dining room area. And it was just all black because it was so dark in there. And I didn't feel anything. I didn't have any weird feelings or anything. I'm just drawing. And I hear this rustling noise kind of in the dining room. Just look up because I hear this noise. And all of a sudden, these little white legs come running in. And I didn't know how to explain it until like Harry Potter came out and there was Dobby. Okay. It was kind of like Dobby legs. They looked like that and they were white. If I had to guess how tall this thing was, they probably would have only been maybe three feet tall. But I only saw probably like a little bit below the hips down. And I didn't only see the legs. We had carpet. I could hear it hitting the feet, hitting the carpet as it was running by. And it was just like this, like you could hear it. And it wasn't completely solid. Like the edges were kind of fuzzy. It ran the length of probably four feet. So it was a very just short, but I saw it and then it just faded off. So it, it ran into the room you were sitting in. Yeah, it ran into the room. And this was the room that I would see those things in okay. when I was little in the doorways. So it ran in from the entrance and it was running towards the bathroom door, which was just right on the other side of the room. But it, it faded and disappeared midway. Wow. And I, they didn't look like they were in pants or anything. It was just no, just, just white legs. Just some white legs. <laughs> white. <laughs> and like when I saw Dobby, I was like, oh, my God, his legs. Remind me, like, the feet weren't quite like that. The feet were just, like, almost like normal feet. But just the shape of the legs. And I could hear it on the carpet. I could hear the feet running on the carpet. And it was bare feet. There was nothing on the feet. And I jumped up so quick and started banging on the bathroom door to my mom to let me in. (laughs) And she had just gotten out of the shower she just finished, and she opened up the door. She goes, what's going on? And I was like, let me in. Let me in. I got to get in there. <laughs> wow. And then she got scared. She let me in. And she goes, what? And my heart's beating really fast, and I am almost feel like I'm out of breath. And I was like, these legs came running into the room. And she was like, what? But the funny thing is, I've had nephews and even my oldest daughter say there was little people living in the garage. Same house. Same house. Interesting. And this house, too, had we had so much activity in this house. And it's like the house kept drawing us back to it. Like my parents divorced and we moved out, but my dad still owned the house. And it's just like we kept going back to the house. And then if 
my mom would move out, then like my older sister would move in, and then I actually ended up moving in as an adult into that house. Oh yeah. And it was just weird. It's like it just different people from our family kept moving in and moving out. Finally sold a house maybe like five years ago, but. So knowing all these the, these experiences you had and, and all this you know stuff that happened there, when you have to uh, or decide to move there, is it with uh, some trepidation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like oh, I don't know <laughs> if I can if I can handle this house. So yeah, this house, my dad bought it probably 1968. So we had this house from 68 to what 2017 okay so in that time we've had i've had siblings move in i've moved in back and forth to that house my mother was married before and had three kids and then she met my father and then they got married and she was actually from arizona and she was living on the reservation out there okay and he brought her to fort worth and he already had this house so she moved in with her three kids, and then her and my father had four kids together. So I'm the youngest of seven. And my second oldest sister would say when they came to live in that house, they would see these like little people. She never really described them too much. She just said whenever they would get mad, their eyes would turn red. Oh, weird. And then as an adult... I had moved into that house, and I had my two oldest kids. I have four kids, and I had my two. I only had my two oldest, and my oldest daughter at the time was about four years old. Well, actually, maybe about three. She was still pretty small, and I would hear her sometimes in the back room talking to somebody, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of weird. I've never really heard her like." sound like she was talking to somebody while she was playing. Mm -hmm. And her sister was, you know, a year old. And she had her own room, but she was asleep in her crib. And my oldest daughter was just playing in her room. I walk in there. I was like, what are you doing in here? <laughs> it's like, and she goes, oh, I'm just talking to my friend. I was like, there's nobody else in here. And she, she had a name for this friend, and it, she called her Bianca. Hmm. And I was like, well, what does Bianca look like? So well, she has red eyes. Ooh. And that just just chills. Yeah. When she said that, because then I remember the stories from my older sister. Right. And I had never seen anything there that had red eyes. I was like, okay, well, come on, it's let's, you know, go in the living room. Like I did just didn't want to be in that room. Right. It freaked me out. So some time goes by, and she comes out of her room one day, and she's crying. And I was like, what happened? She goes, Bianca's being mean. And she said that Bianca, like, pushed her or hit her or did something to her. So my daughter told her that she didn't want to play with her anymore because she was being mean. And then she goes, well, Bianca left. I'm like, well, where'd she go? She goes, oh, she went back into the garage. She lives in the garage. Huh. And I even had a nephew who lived there with my sister uh, at a different time, time when I wasn't living there, who was scared of the garage because he said little people lived in the garage. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. It happened all the time there. And another time when I was still living there, I had my oldest daughter when I was 18. My room was in the back of the house. And my daughter, she was probably, this was around Christmas time, so she was only probably like three months old. And her crib was in my room. I had a, like a queen-size bed, and then she had her crib next to my bed. And there was two closets, and in between the closets was a window. And there was like a little alcove there, and that's where I had like my TV. And it was directly at the foot of my bed. And one night, woke up because I had this ringing in my ear. I was like, ah, oh, what is that? And I woke up a little bit, and I happened to look at the TV, and it was one of those old box TVs. And I remember this light in the middle of the TV screen started appearing, and it was kind of dim, and it would get brighter and brighter, and this thing comes out of the TV, jumps on my chest. I can't see it because it's really dark. I can feel it. It's sitting on my chest and it's choking me. It has really long fingers and it has it has claws and I can feel the claws going into my neck and oh. it's choking me. And I can't scream because it's choking me. And it's making this horrible grunting, growling noise. And I've told my older kids this story and <laughs> I try to do the noise, but I'm like, no, it's not coming out. <laughs> it's not coming out right. But it was just making this horrible grunting, growling noise. And I'm trying to fight it. And it really, really feels like I'm about to have a heart attack because I'm so scared. I, I can imagine. Are you in sleep paralysis while this is happening? Or you... no, no, no. Okay. I'm not. Like I'm Because I'm trying to push it off of me. I'm mm -hmm. trying to get it off of me. And it's not very big. Whatever it is wasn't very big. It was on my chest, and then I couldn't feel it, like, past my hips. Like, it wasn't on my legs or anything. It was just, like, where, like, my ribs are and my chest. It was choking me. It was so strong, whatever it was. I was able to flip on the light switch because I, I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't get up. I was trying to fight it. My hand is hitting the wall trying to find the light switch next to the bed. And finally, I, I was able to flip it on. And as soon as I flipped it on, it was gone. Completely gone. Didn't see it. Like, the light didn't come on and I saw it and it disappeared. It was just gone. I didn't mm. see it at all. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of I always get really nervous when I tell this well, story. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. And so I'm sitting there and it really, my, my heart is hurting like there's this sharp pain kind of like shooting up to my neck and I touch my neck and like my vein on the left side is popped out so far Wow! and I'm just like oh, so I, and I grab my daughter she's a, you know three months old I grab her and I run which I was scared too because I had to run through the house which was dark run over to my mother's room turn on her light and I'm crying at this point because I was so scared. And I'm shaking. She knows things go on in that house, so she wasn't too surprised that I was coming in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she was also like, "What's go what happened? What's going on? And I told her everything. 
And she goes, you know, she goes a couple of nights ago, like she had had my daughter sleep with her one night. My daughter was in the bed with her. And she said behind her, she could hear this grunting, growling noise. And she didn't look, but she pulled the sheets over her head. Is <laughs> what she did. She said, I just, she goes, I don't know what it was. She goes, but I wasn't about to turn around. And I just took the blanket and I covered myself and I covered the baby up and just like prayed for it to go away. And then she just went to sleep. So that happened probably two or three nights before it came into my room. And I think it was the same thing. Because the way she tried to do the, the noise that it was making was, ex I would say, was the same. Right. You know, when it was on top of me. Do you think but, it was just around or did it was it somehow attracted to your daughter? I don't know, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never, I, just, I mean, never... the only reason I even bring that up as a possibility is because, you, you know, your mom had your daughter with her and heard it. Yeah. 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 I never even really thought about that, really. Did you happen to check your neck to see if you had any marks? No, I didn't have any marks. But when I did look in the mirror and my, like I said, my vein felt like it was popped out. And when I looked in the mirror, it was, I mean, it was sticking out like really far. Like I've never had that. And I was like, oh my God, like it really felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Wow. Like my chest was hurting and not just from it sitting on my chest, but it was like this sharp pain. I don't know what a heart attack feels like, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, God, like I felt like I was going to die. Wow. That, I would say, was probably the scariest thing that happened in that house. Yeah, I can imagine. It didn't go after my daughter that night or anything. Not that I, you know. It yeah. Just... yeah, that's good. Didn't come back again? No. No, I never had that that happen again. But it, what's also weird is, like, did this thing just pop out of the TV? Like, the TV it was, was off so, at the time. The, yeah, the TV was off. Mm -hmm. But I remember looking at the TV, and there was like this light in the middle of the TV that just got bigger and brighter. Because I just kept staring at the TV like, okay. Like, it's just my eyes. Like, But no, there was this dim light, and it just got brighter and brighter. And this thing really looked like it came out of the TV. And just straight onto my chest hmm. and I don't know if that's like my mom has seen the hag lady mm -hmm. I've never seen it but I don't know if this was the same thing or not you right. know yeah yeah I've seen her but, enough I'd, I'd soon as well not see her again <laughs> really no yeah I don't <laughs> yeah this was enough I, I would not want to see that but my mom has had it. Uh, it was before I had any kids, and I was sharing the room with her. She said one night, again, she had the bedroom door open because she just slept with the bedroom doors open. From what she said, the lady came in, and she couldn't move, and it had like this flowiness. It was floating into the room. She wasn't walking in the room. She floated into the room, and she said it's whatever it was wearing – was really flowy, like like wind was blowing it around. Mm -hmm. And she said it floated up 
to her dresser and was kind of like touching different things. My mom always had like perfume and stuff on her dresser. This thing floated over to her dresser and was kind of touching her bottles of perfume and different things, a hairbrush. And then it floated over to her and started touching her head. Mm. And then she said it looked over at me, but it never went to me. Like it didn't touch any of my stuff or come over to where I was and touch me. It was Mm -hmm. just her. And we actually ended up switching. One of my brothers moved out. So she went ahead and took the room my brother was in. And I stayed in what was the bedroom we shared. And this whole day, it was the day that she moved into the other bedroom. I kept hearing this like buzzing in my ear. It was only my right ear. And I was like, God, I was like, what's this? Like, it's not like my ear is ringing. It's like this weird buzzing noise. I remember going to sleep that night, and I feel like she was going to come into the room and then realized that it was just me in the room and not my mom. Huh. My mom would say whenever she would see her, she would get this buzzing noise in her ear. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, I had that in my ear all day. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, what is going on with my ear? And I remember, like, I hadn't set up my bed yet, so my mattress was still on the floor. Like, I hadn't put my bed frame together yet. And it, like, started coming in, and then it, like, it backed out. But I didn't see it. It was, I saw it, but it wasn't, like, fully like how my mom describes it. Mm-hmm. It was more shadowy. But it had that same flowiness to it. Oh, okay. But I didn't see it as the way she saw it. Right, right. Which I always kind of laugh about it because I was like, well, it came in and was like, oops, not the right person. <laughs> just kind of just kind of backed out. Yeah. And I just remember like, I was thinking in my head like, oh my God, is that this lady she sees? I told her the next day about it, and she was like, well, she goes, nothing happened to my room last night, so I don't know. Huh. I was like, well, I think it was going to come to my room and realized you weren't in there. Wow. Hey, this is Nick Valenzuela, co-host of Mysteries Decoded on The CW and writer for Paranormality Magazine. Join me as I present Motifs of High Strangeness, a Strange Reality streaming event on Friday, August 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be discussing some of the oddest commonalities in the realms of the weird from my boots-on-the-ground investigations. Tickets are $10 and available at strangerealities.com. Presented by Conspiranormal. Wyoming Valley Ghost Tours presents Transcendent Paranormal Conference and Vendor Fair. Saturday, September 17th, 2022, at the Scranton Cultural Center, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Three floors of vendors. Presentations from Jason Halls, Sherry DeBenedetti, The Paranormal Couple, Eric Altman, and Timothy Renner. For more information, email info at wyomingvalleyghosttours.com or go to facebook.com slash wyomingvalleyghosttours. 
That's facebook.com slash Wyoming Valley Ghost Tours. So my mom is Navajo, and she lived on the reservation until, you know, she married my dad, which was like in 69, 1969, I think. Okay. But from, you know, the time she was born until then, she lived on the reservation. So every year, as a child, we would go visit my grandmother for a week. And my grandmother still lived in a Hogan. Like, no electricity, no running water. She lived in, like, the old traditional style. Off topic, but I'm just curious. Was that huh? something that was interesting and fun as a child? Or was that something that was like, oh, <laughs> we have to go where there's no electricity? Uh, yeah, it was more like that. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's you, if you wanted to take a bath, you had to go down to the river. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, like, bathe in the river. And you had to use an outhouse. And, uh, yeah, I think about it, you know, now, and I was like, oh, that was actually kind of cool, you know, because nobody lives like that anymore, really. Right, sure. But as a child, I was like, oh, God. And my and my grandmother would actually, she had a generator that she would hook up for us when we would visit, and she would, like, hook the TV up to uh, it. Oh, that's nice. So, I mean, the, it was this little bitty TV, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't really get much on it, but... She thought, oh, okay, maybe they would like to have a TV or something. <laughs> sure, yeah. So we would go there, and then my parents divorced when I was about, well, my mom left when I was about, I would say, nine. And she went back to the to the reservation for about a year and a half. So I lived with my dad during that time in in that scary house. So once the divorce was final, she moved back in the house. My dad moved out, and we would still go visit my grandmother in Arizona. And this one particular trip, I was about 11, and driving out to my grandmother's house, you just there's nothing but dirt roads out there. It had rained, so there was this washout on the road. It was me and my mom and one of my brothers who went on this trip. And my brother didn't really know how to drive on a dirt road that well. And he didn't see the washout. And my, we were in this huge station wagon. So when he went over it, the back end of the station wagon got stuck. Mm-hmm. And we had my grandmother and my grandfather in the back seat of the car. And it was nighttime. And we couldn't get out. We couldn't get the car out. And the nearest house was like two miles away. And it was nighttime. So my grandfather, who was really old, even then, he was, his hands were like leather. And I remember him pulling out these bushes that had thorns with his bare hands to kind of put them under the tires to try and get some traction. Mm -hmm. That wasn't working. It wasn't working. And out of nowhere, my brother gets this headache. It got so bad, he just had to lay down in the car and so while my grandfather's trying to get these thorny bushes or whatever underneath the tires there's this smell and it's a smell I've never smelled in my life and I can't even describe it it's 
it's just like a bunch of smells mixed together, like urine, like a dead animal. It's just this really bad smell. And my grandmother didn't speak a whole lot of English. She just spoke Navajo. And I was 11. I was like, what's that smell? My mom, I knew they smelled it. So my mom and my grandmother are speaking Navajo. I don't understand it, and I don't speak Navajo. And then my mom comes to me, and she goes, get in the car. I was like, why? Because my grandfather was trying to get weight out of the car. Mm-hmm. She tells me to get in the car, and I'm like, why? I'm like, what is that smell? She goes, just get in the car. So then she's out there talking to my grandmother. I could tell by the way they were talking, like something was wrong. We all just get back in the car. No one's driving by because this is in the middle of nowhere. Nobody ever drives out there unless you live there. Mm -hmm. And it's just no one's going to be out. And so finally, we didn't want to stay there all night. So my mom says that she's going to walk to the nearest house, which was, you know, about two miles away. It is nighttime and it's a full moon. So she's going to take off. You know, my grandparents were really old, so she didn't want them walking. My brother has this weird headache out of nowhere. So he's just laying in the car. And I didn't want to stay there in the car. And I begged my mom to take me with her. And she kind of didn't want to at first. And then finally she was like, yeah, okay. And we had some flashlights, but (laughs) they were kind of like really, they weren't LED flashlights like flashlights like they have now it was just this crappy flashlight that didn't shine very far Mm -hmm. so we set out to walk to the house and it's just all dirt road and this whole time I keep smelling this smell and finally I'm just like mom what is that smell what is that because like I said I've never smelled anything like that before and she didn't want to tell me. She didn't tell me till later, after we'd gotten to the house. But so we walked the two miles, and it's super quiet. You didn't hear any animals out there. I didn't hear any bugs. Nothing. And then we see the light of the house that we're heading towards. And all of a sudden, I hear this weird noise behind us on the dirt road. And it almost sounds like a chicken clucking. And I was like, what is that noise? Like, there's chickens out here? And my mom's like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I was getting scared because I was thinking, you know, coyotes out there. There's, you know, mountain lions and stuff. And and I'm just like, what? It really is sounded like a chicken clucking. We turn around and we see this thing kind of not really running towards us. It's kind of like a, I thought it was a horse. We thought it was a horse at first. And it was on the road. It was behind us. And it was slowly, not like trotting, kind of like trotting. That's why I, th- I thought it was a horse at first. And I was like, what is that? And she goes, I don't know, it looks like a horse. I'm like, yeah, kind of, but not really. I keep hearing that noise as it's coming towards us, and then we would stop. And then when we stopped and turned around and 
kind of shine the flashlight at it, which you couldn't see it with the flashlight. But when we would stop, it would stop. And I was getting really, really scared because I, I didn't know what it was. And my mom, I could tell she was scared. She was trying to act like she wasn't scared. So we just kept walking. It was going again along with us. And then we stopped, turned around, looked at it, and it would stop. And it did that several times because we stopped and looked at it several times because it was just keeping a certain distance. It wasn't trying to catch up with us. It was just keeping a certain distance. Mm-hmm. Finally, we started getting closer to the house. And a lot of the houses out there just have dogs that they keep around the house, just outdoor dogs. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the houses out there, uh, families out there have just a bunch of dogs. <laughs> and these dogs started barking and running up towards us. And I was getting scared because these dogs are running towards us. And this thing was still back there. And my mom, she knew, like, the reservation dog. They don't really mess with you. They'll, they'll come up to you. They won't, like, try to attack you or anything. Mm-hmm. And as soon as these dogs started running towards us, this thing, whatever it was, goes sideways, not towards us anymore, but it turns to the right and it runs off. And I told my mom, like, that's not a horse. Like, I don't know what that is. Because I only thought it was a horse when I, we, when I first saw it. And I was like, I don't know, something about this, it's not moving right. Like, it doesn't look right, whatever it is. But it, that's not a horse. And then it ran off. And like I said, this whole time I could smell this, this horrible smell. Yeah. It ran off. And again, like I said... I don't, I don't really know what this was, but it, it wasn't a horse. And there's no other animal out there that is the size of a horse, you know? Mm-hmm. So we get to the house. It turns out it's like a cousin of my mother's. And she tells them that we got stuck. And they say, okay, so we, get, we all get in their, in their truck. And my mom was like, oh, I think one of your horses got out. Because we saw one behind us and she was like there are no horses down here people over there they always keep their horses in certain areas and they're always usually corralled and she was like there are no horses over here and then she was talking to her in Navajo after saying all that and then it turned out later that she told her what I had smelled and when they got to our station wagon, they like hurried up <laughs> and hooked the, the truck up to the station wagon, pulled us out, and they got out of there. Hmm. And they're like, okay, we're heading home. And then finally, as we were driving back, because we were going to Tuba City from my grandmother's house, my mother was like, okay, so I didn't want to tell you all this because I didn't want you to get scared, but that was a skinwalker that you could smell. And like I said, I don't know what this thing was. I know when a skinwalker tries to turn into the animal, that it, it's whatever animal it's trying to be, that animal is never quite right looking. Mm. Like it always looks off. Right, right. And that's what this thing, it just looked, it just looked off. It was just weird. Were you familiar with any of the like sort of skinwalker lore and stuff at this point? Or is this uh, all new to you when she's telling you this? Um, 
she's she had told me some things, but it was mainly on how to be a skinwalker. It wasn't really like it wasn't really she wouldn't say exactly about the animals, mm-hmm. like what they look like or anything, but it was the things that she would tell me was like on how to become one, which now is really odd when I think back on it. Because now I'm like, wow, you know a little way too much about all this. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, and uh, you know, it's from what I've read, that's a pretty dark story, right? How to become it one. is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is. And then she told me that my grandfather was into that. As an adult, like I said, I I no longer have contact with my mother, and ever since I cut off contact with her. I haven't had anything happen. Like all my weird, strange experiences have stopped. Wow, that's interesting. I no longer feel watched in my house because I would always feel like I was being watched. That's really interesting. And I don't feel that anymore. Like I'm not scared to be in a house alone because I used to be terrified to be alone in the house, Mm -hmm. any house really. But now like all that's gone it comes down to, I really think she was part of all that. Wow. Wow. All this stuff that happened from when I was younger, all these things pop up, and I'm like, wow, I, I think that was her. Wow. The it, grandfather that she said was into that, was that the one in the car with you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was him. Mm-hmm. And she also had younger siblings that had passed. And she always said that, in order for things for them to to be a skinwalker you have to put your loved ones like you have to put them in front of you kind of you have to kind of like basically you have to they have to die Mm -hmm. you know that just made me think that she had one sister who she said was kind of her mother's favorite and then she ended up dying the sister but now I'm thinking, well, was that all connected? Because, you know, you have to put kind of your favorite to like like a sacrifice, you know? Yeah, that's what, kind of what I read. Yeah, that's what that's. And yeah, very, very yeah. dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And like even as a child, some, there was, I remember there was this one summer and I had at the when I, as a child, I had really long hair. Like it went past my waist. I remember brushing my hair one morning, and I was probably like seven, seven, eight years old. And I'm looking in the mirror, and I see these little pieces of hair sticking up, like right at the crown of my head, like where my part is on my hair. And I was like, what? And I felt it, and it was a real prickly feeling. And I was like, oh, my God, like my hair is cut. And I go to my mom. I'm like, Mom, what is this? And... I was like, is my hair cut? She goes, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't do it. I didn't cut my hair. And then it happened to two other brothers and another sister. Like within days, they all had this, in the same spot, they had a piece of hair that was cut. Hmm. And my mom's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what you guys are doing. We're like, this, we're not doing it. And that's also things you need. Like if you want to put, like a curse or something 
you need either a piece of clothing or their hair. And I just remember that one time where all I had her hair cut. And she just was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that is. She didn't even seem like really concerned about it. Yeah. You know? And as an, I think back on it now, I was like, oh, wow, she she cut her hair. Mm. Like, I don't know what she did with it, but she cut her hair, you know? Right. There's other things. Like, we would always go visit her cousin in Arizona. Her cousin's name was Marianne. We'd always go visit Marianne. And Marianne was always, like, I always felt uneasy around this woman. Uh, she practiced what is called, like, hand trembling. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's it's a ceremony. It's like they go into a trance, and they can tell you, like, if you go to her and say, oh, I think someone's put a curse on me. Can you tell me who it is? Can you take this off? Mm-hmm. The ceremony is called a hand trembling ceremony, and it's like she would go into a trance, and her hand would literally go back and forth. Like, just, you know, trim, like, just, I don't even know how to describe it. Kind of like if you were, like, throwing food out, like, I don't know how to explain it. Kind of like, um, so I have chickens, and when I throw corn out, I do this hand motion where I'm throwing the food out. sure, yeah. yeah. It's back and forth, back and forth, but they do it, and it's one, it's usually one hand, and I think hers was the right hand. We went to go visit her one time, and I, I witnessed this, her doing the ceremony, but it was for my mom. And I remember sitting in the room. They were like, oh, no, you can sit. You can sit in here and, and be in here. And I, I kind of didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to be in the room. They were like, no, just sit right here in the corner and watch. And she starts chanting in Navajo. I don't know what she's saying. But she's chanting, and she's going into this trance, and she has ashes on a plate. And like these quartz crystals in the middle of the ashes. The lights are real dim, and she's chanting, and her hands are going. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching all this, and all of a sudden, there's like this little light in the middle of the crystal. And it starts like a little figure in it is moving around, but it's just light. And she's talking to my mom, telling her. Who's doing what to her? And I'm just sitting there like, what am I <laughs> what am I witnessing? But Marianne was the daughter of my grandfather, because the grandfather was actually her stepdad. Mm-hmm. And he was married to my grandmother's sister, but the sister died. And then my mother's father died. So my, my grandmother got together with her deceased sister's husband. Okay. Back in those days, it wasn't horribly uncommon. To, no, that, that, no, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And actually, back then, a long time ago, a lot of the marriages were arranged Mm-mm. with Navajos. Like, okay. Right. Way back, there was arranged marriages. So it was her cousin, but her dad was the one who my mother had said was a skinwalker. Right. She was also doing these things. We would always go visit her. But my mom would always tell me how bad she was. 
like, oh, Marianne, she, she's doing this and she's doing that. I don't trust her. And I'm like, then why do we go see her? Yeah. And why? Why are we going over there? I really think it, they were all kind of in it. Oh, it's so fascinating and scary. And but it's scary. Yeah. And it, well, and then uh, my mom had a sister who, another sister who passed away from breast cancer and we went to her funeral and there was another family member. I don't know how we were related. Some cousin of some sort. And he came up for my aunt's funeral and he was a medicine man. And he looked at me and he was like, you have it. I've never met this guy. We're related somehow, but I've never met him before. And I was like, huh? He goes, you have it. You have the ability. And he wanted to teach me, like, to be, a, a, like, you know, a medicine, mm -hmm. medicine woman, I guess. But all that, at that point, had freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I don't think I want to mess with that. How because old were you at this point? I was 22. Okay. Right. 22 or 23 at that time. And I was just like, no, because you can be a medicine man, you can be good, but you, you kind of also have to learn the bad ways. Yeah, that was, you know? I mean, in powwow culture, the, anyone who did what we call powwow, the Pennsylvania Dutch um, uh -huh. uh, faith healing kind of thing, but the, the, they're always held in suspicion because they've said if you can find witches and if you can do these things that, that can uh, prevent witchcraft and so forth and know it. So they were kind no, of yeah. always held in suspicion, you know, yeah. for, for that reason. It was like you kind of kind of have one foot in both sides of it. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I don't, I'm not interested. <laughs> mm -hmm. And my aunt, she had lived in Washington so I had flown up to Washington for a funeral, and I was like, no, I'm going gonna, gonna to go back home to Texas. I'm not – because he said I would need to go to Arizona so he could teach me everything. And I was just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get involved. Because at that point, I was already suspicious and not and, feeling – And the mom, too, at that point, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had already yeah. kind of felt that way towards her, like – uh this is not, you know, I don't really want to be around that side of my family. Right. But I, but I mean, you had your own kids at this point already, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's, it's always a, I became more careful about what I brought around, yeah. you know, when I had kids. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, my distant cousin, you know, yeah, no, he wanted me to go to the reservation and learn everything. Because he said I had the ability to do all that. There's a lot of people in my family on that side that are into that. Well, you wonder if that's why you saw this stuff and this stuff was, you know, maybe attracted to you or, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I, and I always say that I don't think anybody has, you know, special magic powers. I, I think it's like drawing or something. Like some people are just, like I could always draw. I could always draw. Like it's, yeah. it's something yeah. I, I could do. Uh, music is different for me. Music, I have to practice, 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 practice. But drawing just came to me. You know, I could just 
is something I can yeah. always do. So I think it's like that. I think some, you know, it's available to everybody, but just some people just, there's just a natural thing, you know, they yeah. just, for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, Lobi, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Yeah, you're welcome. I hope you continue to have no more, but uh, should oh, anything should anything else yeah. happen, you know where we are. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> sure thing. Thank you. We live our entire lives knowing that death awaits us. Many believe that some part of us endures. Eyewitnesses swear to have seen spirits of the dead haunting the living and even appearing during alien abductions. Is the UFO mystery reaching out to us from beyond the stars or from beyond the grave? This staggering implication demands not only scrutiny of the UFO phenomenon, but near-death experiences, ancient monuments, ley lines, the fey folk, cryptids, and more. I'm Joshua Cutchen. I'd like to invite you into the Ecology of Souls, a new mythology of death and the paranormal, a comprehensive theory of all things supernatural framed through the lens of our final transition. Join me as we journey from the depths of prehistory to the present, from the outer space of the cosmos to the inner space of the self. Ecology of Souls, Volumes 1 and 2, now available from Amazon in print and as a combined ebook. Welcome to the Ecology of Souls. A kind of um, kind of medical curiosity of the week here. I feel like we might have had an almanac from Dr. Pierce before. It sounds familiar. Or yes. another medical book. Well, this is Dr. Pierce's memorandum and account book, which you would think, oh, it's just an account book. But on every facing page, there's... A helpful article. Helpful medical information, usually trying to sell you something. Dr. Pierce's favorite prescription. There was one in here. Here you go. Facts for weak women. Oh, Pass it over. <laughs> weak in what capacity? Dr. Pierce's favorite prescription, it makes weak women strong. I'll take some of that. So there you go. What I've found with most of these prescriptions for women, they're about 98% alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pierce's golden medical discovery. Usually it's something to do with a truss or like a dilator for piles. <laughs> Was very miserable. Stomach deranged. You've had that problem, deranged stomach. So if you like these old medical ads from the early 1900s, I think this is from 1910 and 1911. It's got calendars for both years. And this was never used. The part to write in for your memorandum and accounts, no one's written in it. And it does have a some sort of a newspaper article tucked into it. Could be the secret to everything. It's uh, another advertisement <laughs> for a Pierce really? medical advisor. Maybe it was tucked in every one of these. Could be. Some have bothered to keep it appears to be new old stock of Pierce's memorandum and account book. Mm -hmm. Really cool images and graphics. And if you like early 1900s, technically still Victorian, 1910, 1911? No. Post-Victorian, Edwardian. Edwardian. Mm. We're into Edwardian times. If you like Edwardian graphics, <laughs> old-timey medical stuff, this is a cool little booklet. We'll put a picture of this in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop, where you can purchase this and... Other curiosities of the week. Also at our Etsy shop, Strange Familiars t-shirts, artwork, originals, and prints. We have the John Stink print from last episode. You can pick that up. 
The original artwork from this episode is up there and much more. Also at Etsy, you can get my books. When you get them from Etsy, they come signed by me. You know who else has our books, Allison? Someone we haven't mentioned, but I've wanted to for the past month. Yes. She has a new store opened. Where is it again? It's called The Lantern, and it's in Logansport, Indiana. Our friend and fellow artist, Brett Manning, has opened a brick-and-mortar store. And inside, you can find some of my books. I know she has Where the Footprints End, Volume 1 and 2. I think she has some other of my books as well, but I'm, I forget which ones. But she also has all kinds of other cryptid books and her lovely, lovely artwork on all sorts of things. And it looks like the cutest store. I wish we were closer so we could go, but I haven't been to Indiana in 30 years. But I'm hoping to change that. <laughs> She's a super nice person, and her artwork is fantastic. She's got an art book coming out, and hopefully we'll have her on to promote that when it's available. I think you can pre-order it, though, still. Thank you to The Lantern and Brett Manning. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Strange Familiars. We'll be back soon with more. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. You can join the Strange Familiars gathering group there. We're on Instagram, one word, strangefamiliars. Please follow us. You can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. i
that will make the lady for to come down to him. So they pinched him and they pricked him with the needle and the pin. The falseness held the basin for the blood to drip in. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big.